Hey, are you here? Well, wherever you are, know this. We are glad you're here. Tuned in to the Paul Leslie Hour. You know, your host Paul's been interviewing people for 20 years now, but there's never been a guest like this. A.J. Rice is the author of The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. The book is full of wit and information. Pundit and journalist Monica Crowley had this to say, quote, In The Woking Dead, A.J. Rice nails the cultural madness and dark manipulations of the radical left as few others do or can with smarts, humor, and refreshing common sense. A must-read for those who care about the precarious state of our beloved America today. End quote from Monica Crowley. A.J. Rice is also the president of Publius PR, having represented some of the biggest names in media and publicizing some of the top books of the last couple of decades. Just check out PubliusPR.com and you'll see what I mean. And while you're there clicking around on the web, won't you please subscribe to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel. It's the best way to keep up with all of our content. And now, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for A.J. Rice? I could be ready if you are. What's going on, brother? Excited to talk to you. I was likewise. Uh, have you ever seen the movie FM? FM, uh, old, old think, movie. Yeah, a long time ago. Well, the movie starts with this guy, and he's trying to get to the radio studio, and he's driving, and he seamlessly like arrives right on time. Well, I was getting blood work, and it was kind of it kind of felt like that. Oh my <laughs> I was, gosh! I was pulling you, up. You just I, arrived. I I just arrived exactly. But I'm well, thrilled. Glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled to talk to you. So you're joining us from uh, the greater Washington, D.C. area, correct? That's right. I'm in uh, Swamp Central. <laughs> Swamp Central. Well, all the people out there that are watching the video, you can see something that says, it doesn't say The Walking Dead. It says The Woking Dead. It's this book right here. A.J. Rice is the author of the bestseller, The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. He's also the president of Publius PR. So tell me, when did you come up with this idea that uh, there was something that needed to be explored, The Woking Dead? Where did that come from? Well, I'm a proponent of gallows humor. So if we are going to march to our death, whether it's culturally or politically, or even just sort of end comedy altogether, which um, has been attempted over the last couple of years, I would I, I like to come up with, I'm a thematic guy, so I like to come up with, you know, layers, kind of like the layer cake of themes. So, you know, I'm a fan of the old, you know, Romero, uh, you know, cheesy kitsch. Uh, zombie movies. I like zombie movies. I liked The Walking Dead when it was on. Now there's like fifty thousand spinoffs. I can't. I can't keep track. 
Um, you know, Daryl, Daryl's going this way and Rick's going that way. And, you know, Negan's going over here. You know, I, I can't keep up with it with how many shows and spinoffs there are. But look, I, uh, I, I like a good metaphor. I like to hang a joke on people. Um, and, you know, The Woking Dead is I always had the title in my head. In fact, it, it first appeared as a column and then the column became the book, which you know, with a lot of people, public thinkers and comedians and people that do, you know, comedy albums, a lot, a lot of times that is the case, uh, or they'll name it after a song. And I set the book up as you, you know, if you go through it, you don't have to read it cover to cover. It's kind of set up like a music album. Hmm. Uh, I love music. I love music. Uh, the book is an anthology. It's got, you know, 98 uh entries you could call them track listings if you want <laughs> so it's kind of like a cd where you could kind of skip around you don't have to you don't have to go cover to cover um 10 sections 98 entries and at the beginning of it uh because i am a millennial child of the 80s uh i put the the opening monologue by vincent price in michael jackson's thriller right. which which again uh, harnessing the zombie joke, the zombie metaphor. Um, that brings us to the serious part of this. Uh, yeah. And in reality, you know, if you know anything about comedy, you know that comedy has a couple different definitions. One of them is tragedy plus time equals comedy. And one of them is, you know, if, if you're going to study comedy or humor, uh, it's the ability to transform horror into humor. Uh, the horror part is the fact that wokeism is real. Um, it doesn't have a set definition, although I sort of kind of come up with one that constantly is evolving, actually. Hmm. Um, it's a real thing. It has it has lots. Of, it's, it's almost like the Crayola 64 box in that there's lots of it used to just be, you know, five or six, you know, colors. But it's like that was the friendlies crayons. And now it's the Crayola 64 box. So, so, you know, it's it it makes up a lot of things. I I try to do my best to to tackle different parts in our society where it shows up. Um, but I think, and I think this is why people like Bill Maher and Tucker Carlson and Dave Chappelle and you know Sean Hannity and and people on the Ben Shapiro, people on the right and the left are concerned about this uh, from both sides is that um, the horror part of it is is the lack of imagination that's happening, the conformity mm -hmm. that is happening. Um, you know, the left used to stand for nonconformity. You know, shave your head, burn your bra. You can be a goth. You can be steampunk. You can be a rapper. You can, you can be a white rapper. You can be anything you want. Um, and And there wasn't really this... Uh, instruction manual on the rules to being an American. Um, but that's kind of what wokeism tries to do. And it does it really with language. Right. It does it with language. It tries to control the language. It tries to 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 shun certain language that that is um, not popular to the you know Politburo or whoever's in charge, um, whoever's deciding. So so while we were locked down with a different virus, I wrote the book. So the China virus has us locked down. And while, while we're all locked down, I'm looking around 
And I'm noticing that there's different attacks on the culture happening. There's different silencing of, of voices happening. And it, it was coming in many flavors. It was the Me Too movement and the you know post-George Floyd uh, chaos. And, and it, it, it was a way to sort of, I mean, I've called it a totalitarian dress rehearsal, but it was a way to kind of get us to conform to what's going to be our new uh, behavior that mm. the masters of the universe are going to make us follow. So look, there's funny stuff in the book. Um, you know, some of it goes back, you know, some of it I wrote as far back as nine, as, 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 you know, or 2018. Um, but a lot of it is the Trump era and the beginning of the Biden era. And I'm not really one to, to, it, it doesn't thrill me to get into the day to day, you know, Biden's wonderful, Biden's terrible, Trump's wonderful, but, you know, I mean, it's, it just, there's a, there's a million other books out there that, that get into that. Um, I find some of that tedious. Uh, so I certainly can field any questions that people throw at me. I, I have met both men. Um, you know, in fact, they're probably the two presidents I've interacted with the most, hmm. not as president, not as president, but as people, but before they were president, uh, in the case of Biden, uh, when he was a Senator, um, you know, because I've been in this game for a while and, and look, wokeism is not new. Um, the 20th century is filled with different movements trying to silence one group or another. Sometimes they were religious people trying to silence libertine talking, libertine jokes, or or blue comedy, or or you know, Lenny Bruce or George Carlin or Joan or Kinnison or whoever. So it's not new. The new part, if you talk to Rogan or you talk to Marr, if you ask Chappelle. The new part is is where it's coming from. Hmm. Um, it's coming from the people that led the rebellion of the language, the rebellion, the counterculture kids, um, and and now they're conforming. They're the conformity kids. So I find that fascinating. Um, you know, uh, I remember William F. Buckley Jr. threatening to. I mean, I've seen tape of it. I wasn't alive then, but um, using derogatory terms uh, against Gore Vidal on television, threatening to take him out on television. Um, that was about as, as, as wild as the right got. Uh, and, you know, because back then you're talking the sixties, late fifties and into the seventies, you know, the, the, the rock and roll was, was on the left, the, the fighting against the man, whether it was on a college campus or against, the Democrat presidents that started Vietnam, um, you know, that's where the wild, the wildness was. Today, it seems to be, it seems to have turned a little bit. And, and you can kind of see that because the only people really getting shut down on campus are the people that, you know, mostly are on the right. Although there are some people that are willing to challenge, mm. um, to challenge the establishment on campus. Um and, and, you know, even, and then there's people that aren't, they, they just don't want no part of it, which is why you have clean, even clean comedians like Jerry Seinfeld basically saying, I'm not doing college campuses anymore. They're a bunch of snowflakes. Extraordinary. Uh, I'll go, yeah, I'll <laughs> go make my money somewhere else. 
A moment ago, you said you have your definition of wokeness. And I've seen a few people like Vivek Ramaswamy has famously defined it. But I would love to know the A.J. Rice definition. What is it to be woke? What is wokeness? Well, and, you know, we love Vivek here. Full disclosure, we are one of Vivek's PR firms. <laughs> He's one of the few people that got a book on the shelf about wokeism before I did. And it's a great book. It's called Woke Inc. Right. Um, Vivek is coming at this, I think, because of because of his background, um, I think, a, you know, in the corporate world, he, he is looking at it from a perspective of, you know, in the old days, you had um, big business. A lot of times the bottom line is what all that all that mattered. And, you know, they weren't really going to buy into some of this left wing bullying. Um, but they have bought in. And, you know, that's a whole nother discussion. Things that when you're talking about DEI and and, you know, uh, and some of the, the sort of corporate sort of trickle down wokeism that, you know, used to kind of the, I mean, then and in all honesty, big business used to be, you know, uh, the Republican boogeyman. Right. Wall Street was the Republican boogeyman. And now in some cases, these corporations sometimes multinational corporations, certainly the tech community because of where they're from, um, they're pushing this stuff. For me, however, wokeism is the inevitable evolution of what was really the political correctness movement that came out of the 1990s, the sort of pantsuit, Gen X, Murphy Brown mafia, as I call it, the people that were going to push <laughs> the, the culture then. And remember Bill Maher's first show, um, on Comedy Central was called Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. I mean, he's kind of, he's always been a libertarian guy. So he's kind of gotten back to his roots recently. Um, I mean, he's no, fan, he's no fan of George W. Bush. He's no fan of uh, uh, Romney and McCammy. I mean, he might have had McCain on um, for, you know, when he was a senator, but obviously no fan of Trump either. Um, but he gets it. And he understands that when the left is concerned with sucking joy from our life, because that's what wokeism does. It's kind of like a joy vacuum. It's uh, it's like, you know, a, a whole country of hall monitors, right? They're all blowing the whistle on what you can say and what you can wear and what you can listen to and what you can watch and things like that. Um, for me, though, got to go further back than the 1990s Murphy Brown crowd. You pretty much have to go back to the pre-World War I uh, society. And, and sort of the formation of the different flavors of Marxism that were trying to get a foothold in Western civilization. So the definition of wokeism for me is cultural Marxism. At its core, that's what it is. I don't care whether it's the 1619 Project. I don't care whether it's the trans mafia that are you know trying to operate on children without their parents' permission. I don't care whether it's cancel culture. Um, it, all of those things are the symptoms of this and not the cause. The cause is cultural Marxism. And what, what is that? What is cultural Marxism? I mean, what's Marxism, you know? And look, we throw the pejoratives of Marxism gets thrown around and people say communism, people say totalitarian this and communist that and socialist this and, 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 and Marxist that. But beyond something being just an economic system, um, 
that you know Karl Marx, Marx and Engels, uh, and then and then sort of the political aspect of it, which would be you know what's what Lenin and Stalin and Khrushchev tried to implement, and then obviously the Asian varieties and the Latin American varieties are actually closer to what's going on in the United States than the Russian variety or the Eastern European variety. And that is the cultural revolution of Mao, the purging of all things Western, the purging of the destruction of the uh, of the of the old gods, the destruction of the old idols, twilight of the idols, breaking down things. The violin has to go. The crucifix has to go. I mean, you know, China really did a number on itself um, in the fifties and sixties under Mao, um, and and obviously. Castro implemented some of that, the Kim family in, in, in North Korea, Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, and on and on. There, there are different varieties of this. But here, stateside, you know, if you're talking who's the godfather of it in the Western world, it was an Italian philosopher named Antonio Gramsci, right? So, so what happened was this. Um, Marxism gets a foothold here, and it's the devotee of it's a you know the elite, the elite love it. And remember, Lenin was the elite. Um, you know, he was he was in Paris, and he got he got to travel with protection from the, the Germans um, to get to Saint Petersburg and to get into the Soviet Union because World War One's going on. Um, so basically, these are elite people, you know, like college professors, really. Um, a lot of them. And then they have their thug, thug variety with Stalin and, and others. But uh, here you're talking about, and remember, if you look at where Marxism, any variety of it, has ever thrived, it, it thrives in a place with no middle class, and it thrives in a place that really was ripe for a peasant revolt, right? So the serfs are going to rise up, and they're going to overthrow a royal family, or they're going to overthrow you know, the Romanovs. Or some some you know the Batista regime in Cuba, or you know some colonial power that's hanging on, um, and and that's really where it worked. Well, if you're trying to, if you're going to try to do it here, if you're going to you know um, trying to you know turn Uncle Sam into Uncle Joe, uh, you got to <laughs> do it a different you know you got to do it a, a different way. And well, how do you do it? What do you how do you how do you if you survey the landscape here? Before and after World War One, I, I mean, we have a thriving middle class. We have a ton of immigrants. They've come here because they've escaped some of this political persecution and some of the some of this stuff. They've most of the countries and some of its religious persecution also. So they're here. You got Catholics, Italians, and Irish, Polish coming off boats. Jew, Jews coming in. You know, come, <coughs> excuse me, coming into New York City. And you say to yourself, well. How do we convert these people? We're not going to get a workers' revolution. You know, we're not going to get, you know, bricklayers and plumbers and 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 lumberjacks to overthrow the country. So we need someone else. We need different foot soldiers. And they looked around and they found them. And they found them. Um, you know, and remember, this is the time of Margaret Sanger, the time of, of Woodrow Wilson. You know, progressive movement is thriving and it's got a touch of populism to it. Um, you know, eugenics is very popular. Um, you know, Planned Parenthood gets invented. It gets purposefully put into the black community. And they say to themselves, OK, here's who we're going to flip. We're going to flip the public sector unions. 
public school unions. We're going to flip. We're going to go after early radio. We're going to go after Broadway. We're going to go after early Hollywood, the silent picture industry, get into the newspapers, get into academia, get into the Democrat Party. And if you think about who's pushing wokeism today, 100 years later, you know, it's these same people. Yeah. The only difference, of course, is that they now have big tech, Um, whereas 100 years ago, they didn't have big tech sort of acting as their force field, acting as their, you know, bodyguard, um, which is what they are now. And, you know, for what it's worth, um, not all of big tech has bought into this. Obviously, you, you know, Musk does not. People like Peter Thiel do not. You know, what's interesting is that I think Musk and guys like Rogan and guys like Marr and even the pushing back by people like RFK Jr. and others, I think people that are not traditionally, I mean, these, you know, Chappelle, Chris Rock, these aren't exactly, you know, uh, people that go to, you know, CPAC, right? So so when when you have sanity coming from the middle or the libertarian side or the left, Russell Brand, there are others, I think that, you know, it makes guys like Zuckerberg think twice about totally wholeheartedly turning their entire creation over to these sort of little digital brown shirts that they're employing. Um, have they messed with elections? Yes. Do they censor? Do they platform? Do they do shadow ban? Yes. Were they in league with the FBI and, and, and other you know intelligence agencies? <laughs> yes. They've hmm. all admitted it. We have tape of, of them admitting it. But I think I think they see that the boat is turning on wokeism. That like all revolutions, you they eventually, you know, it's like one scalp too many, you start eating yourself, right? You start eating yourself. I mean, Robespierre, who led the you know assault, one of the people that led the assault to get rid of uh the French royalty in the French Revolution, eventually he got his head chopped in the guillotine as well. Right. And Zuckerberg, yeah. wanna, Zuckerberg doesn't want to be in the guillotine. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, you know, I listened to your interview with R- Rose Unplugged. Great, great interviewer that she is. And you were talking about this very thing about how the revolutionaries, they always eat themselves. What do you see as the biggest sign right now that we're maybe seeing some kind of a turn against wokeism? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's where we're at. Um, and look, wokeism is a form of totalitarian behavior. And, you know, so, some of these tech companies, though, they're not going to stop because they see money in it. Uh, I mean, some of them will make mistakes. Some of these corporations, I mean, my God, Budweiser learned a big lesson. You want to <laughs> talk about not, you want to talk about not knowing who your audience is. Uh, but there are people out there, whether it's Coca-Cola or the NBA, I think they think that, it, that they're okay with, and maybe Disney too, that they're okay with losing traditional Americans as customers. I mean, look, Jimmy Kimmel, who once upon a time when he was on The Man Show, was pretty funny uh, when he was on there with Corolla. Oh, once upon a time, yes. Yeah. Um, he works for ABC and ABC is owned by Disney. 
And he's basically told his the brass over there, look, I'm not going to stop making fun of conservatives. I'm not going to stop making fun of Trump. If you tell me to stop, I'm going to quit. I don't care if I lose my entire audience. I'm not going to stop. And I think, you know, for certain, uh, you know, movie releases by Disney or Warner Brothers, the ability to play NBA games in China, I think there are certain corporations that have made a calculation, and the calculation is simple. If we lose 50% of our U.S. audience, it's okay because we're going to gain the 1.3 billion Chinese as customers. And the, Chi- and the Chinese love this. Oh, my God, they love it. They love wokeism. They love it because it lowers America's immune system. It gets us all fighting with each other. It weakens us. It we- it's like a retrovirus, right? It's like HIV. Brings you down. Lowers, hmm. your immune si- lowers your immune system, and then something else comes along. Pneumonia, ISIS, Putin, an invasion of Taiwan, whatever the hell it is. And that's what... That's what finishes you off, right? So, uh, you know, there are certain people out there that are sort of white blood cells in the in the body politic that are trying to cure this. It's not always fun and clean and 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 you know tidy. Um, Donald Trump, I believe, was elected because he pushed back on political correctness, and then obviously once he got elected, they upped the ante and got even crazier. So whether it's the Me Too movement or BLM or whoever it is, cancel culture, um, you know, and look, some celebrities have bought into this. Some, you know, some corporations have, as we discussed. You talk about Vivek earlier. I mean, you're talking about DEI, right, or ESG, environmental social governance, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, These things are being used now like a sushi menu. By corporations, almost like a user agreement to be an American or to work somewhere. Here's our user agreement. You know, you will promise to do this, do this. You know, here's the pronouns. Here's the, you know, let Bill in the women's locker room, whatever the hell it is. Um, And it's like a, a, a user agreement to be an American citizen. Hmm. Or to be an employee. Uh, and that's scary. That's scary. Because the goal is, of course, to remove our individuality and have us all just be, you know, sheeple, have us all just be part of the the herd, right? And they'll tell us what's best for us. Hmm. Oh, please, master, tell us what beer should we drink? Oh, Bud Light, because there's a training in the bathtub? You know. <laughs> Okay, so, I mean, really, that's where we're at with these guys. So, you know, um, it's crazy. Uh, there's different forms of it. Uh, you know, it's a shame that some of the old school comedians aren't around to take it on, whether it's Carlin or Joan. Um, but there are enough, I think, enough alternative platforms, be it Parler or Rumble or whatever it is, Truth Social. There are comedians that have learned to scale their comedy without permission from the left, which is good. Um, you know, you have places like Netflix and Spotify that were assaulted by their own middle management. 
And that's really where the little fascists are, right? Hmm. Not the boomers, not the boomers at the top. It's the it's the it's the Gen Xers and some of the old millennials in there, you know, the remnants of the pantsuit mafia. They're in there. They're the ones in the parking lot protesting Netflix because of Chappelle's jokes <laughs> or trying to blackmail Spotify because they won't pull Rogan. Right. But so far, to their credit, they've resisted. So with them so far, they can they look, they can they could try to they could, you know. They can try to wrap themselves in the flag all they want. But, you know, we're for free speech no matter what. Probably not true. Um, at least they're still operating with uh, financial interests in mind of their shareholders, right? Right. So, so Neil Young, I mean, we, what did we prove? We proved that Neil Young is not as powerful as Joe Rogan. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so so that's good. Um, but they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep trying to cancel. They do. You know, why was Tucker Carlson dismissed? And look, here's the other thing. With a lot of these people, you know, there are other ways to get to you. And they, they are trying, there are, there are government agencies mixed with corporations uh, that are trying to figure out ways to remove you in other ways. So, you know, you can be fired. You can be deplatformed. Um, in some cases, if they can't get you digitally or financially, they may show up in person and try to cancel you physically. Yeah. You know, we got a guy running. A, we got we got an attack on a on a Republican baseball game. Where Steve Scalise was shot, we had Rand Paul's neighbor attack him, break his ribs. We had a guy jump on stage and try to stab Dave Chappelle. We had a guy jump on stage and try to stab Lee Zeldin when he was running for governor of New York. We had um, an attack on Salman Rushdie, right? Where where they succeeded with a knife attack, and look. That might have been radical Islam, but they're trying to cancel him. You know, so there's an example where, you know, it wasn't a cultural Marxist. It was someone that was mad that he had offended Islam in the late 80s, early 90s with his book, The Satanic Verses. You know, uh, they've gone after the, the South Park guys over the years. Right. Um, look, we had a guy running around Brett Kavanaugh's neighborhood. Think, you know, with a gun. And uh, maybe maybe he's going to attack a Supreme Court justice. So so look, you know this is real. People dox people; they give their address out online. That's a real thing. So so you know, there's incoming, there's incoming, there's you know, there's there's people that get dismissed for various reasons, whether they're real or not. Maybe we'll find out. You know, I don't I don't care whether it's. Tucker or someone else, um, you know, Russell Brand. It's interesting. It's interesting to me with guys like him and guys like Andrew Tate, you know, find something, find something on these people. You know, we can't, we can't separate them from their audience. we got to find something. It we seems... can't separate, we can't separate Trump from his voters. Let's find something. Right. You know, because we've had, I mean, look, it's the age of tyranny. 
The woking dead is just the cultural tyranny. But there's three other tyrannies. I call it, we're in the age of the four tyrannies. And wokeism is just, you know, the cultural one. Bidenomics is the economic one. Um, you know, COVID and, and the continual, <laughs> you know, we're going to have masks. We're not going to have, we're going to have this. We're going to have that. We're going to be triple vax, quadruple boosted. You know, uh, we're going to look like Pinhead from Hellraiser soon. You know, we're going to be stuck up like <laughs> Pinhead from Hellraiser. Um, that's the medical tyranny. And then the last one is the political judicial one where, you know, you've got, I've never seen it in my life, um, other than the presidents that were shot. Um, I've never seen a politician hunted like this. You have two phony impeachments, four phony indictments. Uh, I mean, they are throwing everything they can at this man. Yeah. I mean, most of us would buckle with one little taste of this. Um, but they keep coming and they keep coming because it's in the end of the day with him, it's, it's really not about him. And even some ways with somebody like Tucker, it wasn't really about Tucker. It was his audience. It was, you know, it's Russell Brand's audience. It's Trump's audience. You know, uh, so, so so you have to go. You got to go. And we're going to figure out a way to get you, you know. Um, and look, uh, Trump so far has been able to withstand everything they've thrown at him. And, you know, there's really only well, one or two things that they haven't tried so far. And hopefully, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll leave it up to other analysts that have been discussing that. We don't need to get into that here. But Bongino and Megyn Kelly and, and Tucker and, and Adam Carolla, they've all talked about it. You know, I mean, the only thing they haven't done is, you know, attacking physically. So right. hopefully we don't come we don't come to that. But, you know, society doesn't trust the people in charge anymore. Even the left. I mean, look, Bernie Sanders had a convention rigged against him. We know this because Donna Brazil told us. Okay? You didn't tell us. I didn't tell it's not it's not this show. It's not, you know, Bill Maher, Tucker Carlson, or you know, Fox and Friends or Glenn Beck. Debbie Wasserman Schultz with the help of the superdelegates, made sure that, that Hillary was the nominee. Right. That looks rigged to me. They will not pay attention to RFK Jr. They will not debate him. They're The DNC basically ignoring all of his requests. He's asked for Secret Service protection, even though he had a gunman yeah. after him a couple of weeks ago. So he says, all right, Bye. I'll run as an independent. So look, it's not just the right that, you know, is hanging out in Alex Jones's glove compartment, you know, <laughs> is, 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 you know, being midwifed into existence by Steve Bannon. It's not, it's not just, you know, uh, it's not just us or, or, or sane people or the 77 million that voted for, for Trump. I think the Bernie Sanders people know that their, their votes are kind of getting lit on fire too. So, so that brings us to, well, who's really calling the shots? And it's like, you know, Elon Musk says to us, look, uh, it, most of the conspiracy theories about Twitter turned out to be true. 
And look, there are people whose shows we love, who people that we work with, people that I'm the publicist for. I don't have to agree with everything everyone says. Uh, you know, the, the viewers of the show don't have to agree with everything you and I say. Right. Um, and we're not responsible for everything. But when people like Bannon and Jones, uh, people like Mike Lindell, people like Tucker Carlson or Andrew Tate or or Russell Brand or Bill Maher or Chappelle, when they when they get close enough to the truth enough, when they when they hit the bullseye enough, even if thirty percent of what they say might be just nuts, you know Biden's going to unzip his skin suit and a lizard's going to jump out and you know or whatever. Um, they don't need to be right 100% of the time. They just need to be right enough. And and it's in that enough where the DNA of democracy, the fabric of society is breaking down. And it's not just breaking down because of wokeism and because the kids are, 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 are like this hand coming out of the ground behind me here. They're zombies. It's more than that. It's, 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 you know, what do you believe anymore? What do you believe? Like, part of what keeps us from being Mad Max, beyond Thunderdome, or just being, you know, the law of the jungle, right, is, you know, the what, 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 what the Founding Fathers called the consent of the governed, right? Yeah. So what happens when the consent of the governed is gone? You know, I'm not paying my taxes. and you know, I'm not paying for 14 karat gold toilet seat for AOC. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, what what stops us from jumping over the counter at the pharmacy and just filling our trash bag with it? That's <laughs> where we like, are in some places. <laughs> well, well, that's what I'm saying is like, once, once you don't think anything's real, whether it's because of the lockdowns, because of the Me Too movement, because of China eating our lunch, because of this, and we don't, you know, we don't have time for this, but this, you know, monetary printing press for Ukraine, which is like a laundromat, is the Z laundromat. Come to the Z laundromat where we wash all the dollars of Western civilization. And, you know, <laughs> we can get you 6% on your return or your investment. But are you freaking kidding me with this, with this Ukraine stuff? So, and look. You can think Putin's not an angel and still be like, you know, maybe I don't want to give the, the man in the green pajamas any more money. I mean, look, we've had plenty of men in the green pajamas throughout history, right? That we thought was an ally. And then all of a sudden, boom, they become Fidel Castro. Or, you know, they boom, they become Stalin. And look, we have, look, Sometimes we have to cut deals with people, cut a deal with Saddam because the Iranians were worse, right? Or are we worse? I mean, that's where we're coming to. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Saddam instead of the mullahs of Iran. And now we're gonna side with MBS instead of the mullahs of Iran. We're gonna side with the Saudis instead of the mullahs of Iran. We're gonna side with the Mujahideen against the Soviets, right, when they invaded Afghanistan. Fine. I get it. I, I don't live in a fantasy world. So, AJ, right? people can get your book anywhere they pick up their books. There's also an audio book, right? 
There is. There's a an e-reader. There's an audio book. Um, you know, with a voiceover actor. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you get there's no paperback yet. Um, we've had a couple runs of hardbacks. So people keep buying the hardbacks, and we keep printing them. So, but 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 look, it's Post Hill Press is the publisher. Uh, Simon Schuster uh, is the distributor. So you know, there are it is in some bookstores, and you can order through the bookstore. In fact, if you really want to make your you know liberal friends at the bookstore squirm. Go in and order the book from them. See what they said. Uh, for the most part, though, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, um, SimonandSchuster.com. There's a lot of other places you can get it. So um, pretty good price right now on Amazon. You want to check it out. Okay. And it, and it is highly recommended. Now, a lot of our listeners, this is their favorite part of the show. We have where there's rapid fire questions at the end. You are a publicist but you also speak public publicly. Do you prefer by, behind the scenes or on stage? Well, I'm what you call a player coach. No one wants a coach who hasn't played the game, right? right. So, and, and quite frankly, one of the reasons I went out and did this was to put myself through the pain that I've put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other people through. So did I put myself through some pain? Yes, at the same time. My tolerance for people missing interviews, you know, has gone way down uh, because I've done this. Uh, I've done a couple hundred interviews since the launch of this book. So, you know, radio and, and TV and podcasts and online stuff. So it gives you a different perspective. You know, it, it mm -hmm. certainly does. And, and, and I'm always looking for, you know, an angle to be better than my competition. What can I do that they're not doing? Because I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the PR world is filled with a lot of hacks, some grifters, some people that are in it just to, uh, I guess, fortify their social life. Hmm. Uh, but not me. You know, I'm on a mission. And, you know, putting out a book is part of that mission. Now, you can plead the fifth on this. I was driving over here from the hospital and I was wondering, is he going to answer this? All-time favorite client. All-time favorite client. <laughs> well, um, I would say that I have I have been having the most fun. Gird your loins, ladies and gentlemen, because I just did my fourth book with her, and she is a pistol, and she's not for the faint of heart. But Judge Jeanine Pirro uh -huh. is a blast. She's, um, you know, 100 pounds, wet and wearing boots. But she will, you know, she'll give you a colonoscopy if you mess up. I like people. <laughs> I like people that I like people that keep me honest. I like people that, you know, uh, you have to step your game up for. Right. So, you know, uh, and she knows it. She knows that most people, she would eat their face. So it's the same thing with Ingram. You know, I'm Laura Ingram's former executive producer. She's like my sister. Uh, you know, uh, she's a fire breathing dragon, man. She's, 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 she came, you know, she came from virtually nothing. She got herself into Dartmouth, got herself into UVA law school. She clerked for Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. 
So she doesn't want to hear, you know, about fancy this and fancy that. She doesn't want to hear about excuses. And I'm a Philly guy, as you can tell. Okay. I'm a Philly sports guy. I'm a Philly guy. Irish Catholic. Um, I like tough people. I like people that make you raise your game a little bit, right? Don't be playing defense on your heels. We're not here playing two-hand touch. So, you know, my favorite clients are the killers. They're the killers. I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of uh, the conservative universe. And we're talking from George P. Bush, who's a fairly moderate guy, right? The nephew of the former president, the, the, the grandson of another former president all the way through to Donald Trump Jr. And I've worked with RFK Jr., all the juniors. Uh, but, you know, so you learn, so you get something different from everyone. You really do. Um, you know, I've had some weird ones. You could spend all day with some of those, some of those people. I mean, I that's the real book. Been, you know, <laughs> that's the real book. You know, I had, um, I had a, uh, a couple die on me. Mm. Mid, you know, mid book tour, or you know, I couldn't find them; they vanished. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've got some wild stories, some crazy ones, some crazy clients. But my favorites are the people that elevate your game. You know, I mean, look, you think Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan got to be who they are by playing against a bunch of scrubs or with a bunch of scrubs? Absolutely not. So adversity is good. So you're a Philly guy, Pats or Geno's? Oh, Geno's all the way, <laughs> all the way. Ticket to the bank. I knew, I knew Joey Vento, um, who was the the longtime patriarch of Geno's. Um, Geno's is kind of the conservative uh, cheesesteak place. I mean, I, you know, if you want to be honest, uh, Barack Obama, John Kerry, Hillary, they ain't going to Geno's. Um, now, Joey got himself a lot of press when it was a decade ago now, two decades. He put a sign in the window at Geno's that said, when you order, speak English. <laughs> oh, my God. He must, have, he must have broke the universe with that, you know. But he went out and he defended himself. He was an American original and a patriot. God what is bless the, him. God bless him. What is the best thing about being A.J. Rice? Um, fatherhood and, uh, you know, I've got a wife that, I mean, if you've, if you've hung around long enough here, guys, for this interview, you know, you can imagine waking up next to this, right? You got to deal with this every day. Uh, <laughs> I'm not exactly a Pez dispenser of, uh, of, uh, lighthearted things. No, um, no, my wife, my what, my family. I mean, the best part of, of of being me is definitely my family. You know, um, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're never going to say to yourself, "Well, oh, man, if I only had worked with that client, or if I if I only had sold one more book, or if I only uh, took one more meeting and you know missed my my kid's baseball game or whatever the hell it is." So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm on a mission. Uh, you know, I'm a bit of a character. That's why some of the, the people we have, some of the people we have, you know, we just did Carrie Lake book. She's a piece of work. We're doing Marjorie Taylor Greene book in about a month. Um, 
You know, I've worked with a lot of different people. I work with Alan Dershowitz. I work with almost the whole dream team on the OJ, the OJ dream team, and the ones that are still alive. Hmm. Um, I've worked with almost all of them, I think, except Robert Shapiro. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say family, definitely. Well, I always like to leave my guests uh, with giving them the last words. So for our audience out there, do you have anything in conclusion to say? Yeah, I mean, we do this for a living. We we host shows, we write books, we do, you know, we 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 write columns, we promote other people. But and and we're in the political world, the cultural world, but just understand something. You know, you can host all the the shows and write all the books you want, but the only way you're really going to change the country is is by doing it yourself and doing it really locally. Don't look for Washington D.C. to save you. Right? Mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy's not going to save you. Matt Gates isn't going to save you. Um, you know, uh, Schumer, McConnell. You know, the politicians aren't coming to save you. You have to save yourself. And. You know, there there is an insurrection out there, and I think it's an insurrection of parents um, and people um, trying to take back their schools, trying to get rid of some of this woke garbage from the culture, and trying to get out from under the soaking of Bidenomics that has made things very, very expensive. So, you know, if you want to laugh and you want to be informed, you get a copy of The Woking Dead. Hopefully I'll be back next year when, when the sequel comes out. Um, but but just understand that this is your country. It's not a politician's country. Um, I don't care if it's if it's the, uh, the elected dog catcher or the president of the United States. You can take back your country yourself. Um, be inspired. Have some fun doing it. You know, wear a GoPro camera if you're going to take on somebody. Um, but... But but just understand that, you know, we created the, the federal government, not the other way around. Hmm. That's great. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Rice, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, sir. You're a patriot. We love you here. Um, keep fighting. Keep growing that audience. Will do. All right, sir. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.